Hello, I'm Grongi Maguire and this is Chantelle Fiduch and Pate. Hello. We bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the the way they were. Hi Chantelle. Hi Grania. good to see you, how are you? I'm, I'm very good, I, I'm, I'm happy but bittersweet because this is the last episode of this series. It is, I know, it's, I mean I'm, I'm looking forward to you getting a break from all your heavy research guides, <laughs> she does a lot. If nothing else, your bookshelf from all the books you buy needs a break, so watch out local bookstores, you'll have some donations coming up of mainly biographies. <laughs> But I am sad to, sad for our listeners out there that they, that they have to live without us for a little while. But fret not, we're we're back soon, aren't we? We will be back very very soon. Don't you worry, guys. Very we're very not done. Soon. We have so many more couples to cover. Is there any celebrities who you hope will be suitable for the podcast by the time of the next series? Celebrity couples who have split up that I hope will be covered soon. Um, one I've been saying since the start. Why won't anyone do it? Is Gwen and Gavin? I'm waiting. Whenever you're ready. Please, I have a lot of a lot of things to say about that couple. In terms of a couple who I hope will be available, who as in one that's together now but hasn't officially split yet, and I think they are. I think I could be good about this. Is of course MGK and Megan Fox, who I think we haven't got long to go until the official split is announced and they will become. A f- and as you know, listeners who've been here since the beginning, you know how much I love this couple, how much I've been obsessed. I want them. I can't wait for them to be on. So yeah, what about you? Well. You know, we've never had on discussed on the podcast, which makes no sense. A proper deep dive into Taylor Swift. We need a Taylor Very Swift. True. We need a Swifty. So she's just we've up. done a we've done a Pete Davidson, and we yeah, especially with the new relationship. You're right. We'll we'll put that we'll put that in the schedule. So Joe Alwyn, he's a bit he's a bit boring. There wasn't much drama wise, but maybe oh. You know what I would love? I Her- mean, Matt Healy seems... Oh, yeah, that'd be interesting. There's drama there. <laughs> I would like a Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde. I think we're ready as a culture to start looking at it. Yes. I think we're ready. We are. We need to. And it's it's and also it's salad season as well. It's summertime, so perfect time to get that dressing <laughs> out. Well, speaking of the summer, our guest is... <laughs> That's, what I mean that what a great segue to end the series. Speaking of the summer, well, no, he, here's a ray of sunshine. He's a ray of sunshine, but doesn't he organize hoopla? Hoopla, isn't it? He does. Yeah, and, the mighty hoopla. If you're going to the mighty hoopla, this man you're about to hear is responsible for your amazing experience. He is just basically a icon. I would say that our guest this week is a London-centered gay icon of the gay culture scene. If you've been to any drag balls, if you've been to any gay events, if you've been to Mighty Hoopla, as we've mentioned, if you've done anything involving gay culture, which is basically culture, then you know Sink the Pink, you know Glynn, you know the Mighty Hoopla, you know this man. He's responsible for most of the best fun nights you've had out in the last 10 years, I would say, in London. So you're welcome. He's very good at what he does, and may he continue to reign as king of gay 
gay nights out. Well, please uh, get your ears ready for the treat that is Glyn Fussell. The, the way, way they, they were. Hi, Glyn. Hi, Glyn. Hello, hello, you gorgeous two. Thanks oh. for being here. How are you? Do you know what? I am very good at the moment. I'm yeah, I'm I'm having a sober stint. That's Ooh. always a, that's always interesting. But it's hey, it's working for me. Uh, and, which which means your day doubles, doesn't it? You know, yeah. you get like double the amount. The sex drive is up, so that's Ooh, always good. My God, Ooh. you're selling me on. How long has it been? If you don't mind it's me asking, it's been six weeks, and that's a long time. And well done, eight, congratulations. And eighty-five shags later, hey, I'm, I'm, there he is. <laughs> it's good, you know. It's good. I've got lots coming up, and um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm feeling very full of joy actually at the moment. Fantastic, we love that. Yeah, it it took us. I um watched the coronation on Saturday, uh, for my shame, and I got so drunk, and I didn't even. It was alcohol is such a sneaky bitch these days because I didn't yeah. realize I was drunk, and then I just spent the next two days paranoid that I had you know just humiliated myself. So it's you know, it is worth it. It is so worth it. I did that. And then I didn't just spend the next day paranoid. I woke up to a text message saying, you really offended my girlfriend last <laughs> night. Was that the drink talking? And I was like, yes, it was. I don't know what I said. My thing so, is, as an adult, it just becomes very different when when you don't just have a day to be like, oh, you know, I'm just going to lay in bed and watch Real Housewives and sort of, yeah, I'm going to say it. I was going to say it. Masturbate. When you don't have that luxury any longer, it becomes... Yeah, it fights against your lifestyle. Let's just yeah, say so. Totally. So, so it will come. Probably on the final day, of Mighty Hoopla on my festival also coincides as my birthday. I will, I will end up um, offending someone's girlfriend and waking yeah. up full of shame. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to my world. Anyway. You're always welcome here. You, you'll, you'll never offend us, I promise. <laughs> oh, I don't know. We'll find out. The challenge has been set. <laughs> Well, so Glenn, we are a very romantic podcast. We believe in a thing called love. Mm. Do you can do you consider yourself a romantic? I am. That's why I really wanted to do this podcast because I get to talk about a lot of things in life, but love is not really one of them. And Aww. it's some it's it's something I believe in more than most things, you know. Yes, Glenn. Um, more than Botox, and that's saying that something, really isn't is it? That really is saying that I can see your forehead, so that really is a big <laughs> yeah, statement. thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, love first, Botox second. Yeah, I'm a hopeless romantic, actually, and newly engaged. Oh, congrats! Thank you. Um, you probably just saw him in the background, actually. Yeah, I just, did just see him He just slinked well. in. <laughs> I did actually ask him to wear lingerie, so I'm livid. Um, but <laughs> but I, I actually proposed to him at the top of Mont Blanc in Chamonix. And oh, wow. Prepared you... it, prepared it in the most over-the-top way you <gasps> can imagine. Talk um, us that's through. Incredible. Talk us through. We want details. Talk first. Okay, well... I had been thinking about it for some time, wanting it to happen. And, you know, we're both early 40s and I think we've both been burned over to... I'm someone that I chuck myself in. I'm all in to everything I do. And I also have very high expectations of love because my parents are still madly in love after 40 years. Yeah, I come from a long line of lovers. My family are... 
just very good at love and seem to stick around in very long-term relationships, which is great. That's a lot of pressure on you, though, I suppose. But but that almost cursed me in many ways because I... You know, I was, it's something I was aspiring to. Anyway, until I met my wonderful fiancé, I, I had not experienced that and I, I had been let down massively. So, obviously, once I got my grubby mitts on him, I was not about to mess it up and let it go. So, I decided that I would propose to him, like the sneaky one that I am, on his birthday weekend. He hates his birthday because it's in January. So, um, if you're a January... Yeah, exactly. It's a, rough, it's a rough time of year, yeah. He also loves the snow. And I thought, oh, I I can surprise him and I will take him to Geneva, which will confuse him because, you know, why are the Alps in Geneva? I don't know. And so we went to Geneva (laughs) and we had a lovely birthday celebration. And the next day we had a a private driver come and pick us up from our nice hotel and drive us all the way to Chamonix. And then we went up on the little kind of toy town train that went all the way to the top. And I had a beautiful ring, this lovely Tiffany love link. We can confirm for the listeners it is beautiful. It's a beautiful ring and I had it in my pocket. And I there was just bloody people everywhere, you know, when you get to the top of these things. And I'm thinking, this is not how I pictured it. So I kept saying to him, we'll just climb a little higher. Let's climb a little higher. <laughs> Was the altitude sort of take effect, like losing your breath at this point? Well, not breath, but more death. I mean, we were getting really close. This is becoming really... like an alive moment. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we got up there and I was slipping all over the place. And then as we were turning around to go back down the hill, I was like, slipped a bit and I thought now did you slip onto your knee oh my my god and I had a whole speech that I prepared and it just came out (laughs) those are the best ones just noise as long as you heard the words marry me and he said no fuck off I've never liked you anyway (laughs) (laughs) he said he said yes and then we just smiled at each other and it's the weirdest thing is you prepare for that moment and when someone says yes you don't really know what to do. And you're like, here we are then, just stood at the top of a mountain. We just sort of rolled around a bit, a little bit. And, <laughs> and, and um, yeah, we've been floating ever since. Oh, what a gorgeous story. How long ago was that? That was back in January. It's just gone. Oh, just recently. Oh, wow. Yeah, then. I mean, it's very recent. It's very recent. I can tell you're glowing. No. Or is that just the Botox again? Who knows? Once Either way, again, I'm happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel... Um, it feels quite tawdry to go from your angelic story of love working out <laughs> to the couple that I've been researching that right. you have picked. But yep. we're going to go there. You go this for is, it. I mean, without giving it, this is genuinely one of the messiest couples, just from the get-go to the let-go, all the way through. But mm-hmm. before I say anything else, okay, beautiful little Chantelle, she doesn't even know who we're talking about. <laughs> So, I have provided a few clues, a few breadcrumbs to guide her along the way to this couple. So, I can tell you, this couple got together in the gorgeous year of 1981. Let us set the scene. It's the first London marathon. Diana has married Prince Charles. And friend of the podcast, Britney Spears, is born. But... Oh boy, by George, did this couple really want to hurt us? <laughs> oh boy, by George, that's got to be one of your weakest ones. Wow. You said Messi's, this is um, Boy George and uh, the the drummer, um, don't tell, uh, jo- 
John Moss. John Moss. John Moss. The drummer John Moss. John Moss. John Moss. That is from from 81. Oh, my God. That is earlier than I thought. Jeez. They are mercy. They are. This is deep. Wowzers. Good choice, Glenn. Thank you. So what is it? We'll go, obviously, into the details of their relationship, but... What is it about this couple that you find so interesting? Okay, so Boy George Culture Club in general, um, A, was was my first realisation that I was gay. And then also later, my first realisation that I wanted to dress up um, through Boy George. But also, you know, and I understood that from a very young age. My big sister, Paula, was a massive Boy George fan and used to dress up as Boy George. And... That was really appealing to me. But then when I went past the look, went past the kind of understanding of the sexuality, started listening to the lyrics, the tortured lyrics, all of their songs, in fact, it really just hit my heart so deeply. And I understood not only what it is to be gay, but what it must feel like to be gay or queer and in love. Mm. And... It's such a complex, reoccurring love story, actually, and one that I hopefully doesn't happen as much in this day and age. Yeah. But I sometimes feel that because of the way Boy George looked and the band, they never got the they got the success. But there's actually lyrically, melodically, creatively, they are the most groundbreaking band ever. Oh, wow. um, he's saying it, guys! Watch out! He's unbelievable. And I just think that Boy George is a genius, and I think. That if you listen to those songs, they're full of such deep love, but also the most tortured pain ever. So there you go. Have that, girls. (laughs) (laughs) Put that in your pipe and smoke it. But they really, I mean, I remember a few years back listening to, and we'll go into detail some of the lyrics, but they really are like Lana Del Rey level Mm. of like tortured it is true yeah longing yeah but then imagine doing all of that with the guy you've you've written these exactly you've written this like unrequited i guess love letters is what it is and then they are playing in the band behind you i mean can you imagine what what you're going through no wonder george took up heroin (laughs) 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 it's the only release but it's it's so it's and those loves you know I think the best love songs come with a level of pain maybe yeah. that's just my sick <laughs> twisted <laughs> way of looking at the world but they do and and these are the most painful love songs I think ever written yeah well okay before we we dive into mm-hmm. what the heck happened I can sense just like anger from the people listening to this podcast going enough of this flummery what about the star signs. Of course. So I can tell you, George O'Dowd, aka Boy George, June 14th, he's a Gemini. Hey. I feel like we have another one in our midst. Hey. There we are. I'm June the 4th. Hey, hey. hey. Oh, God. And your fiance, what, what, what's his star sign? Well, Geminis only really talk about themselves, so I'd have to ask him. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he's a Capricorn. Okay, well, that's okay. Is that January? Is that January? You're asking the wrong person. Yeah, 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 January. Yeah, he's Capricorn. He's Capricorn. I I was just worried because John Ross, September 11th. John Moss, not John Ross. 
Jonathan, Jonathan Ross, different, different. Different podcast. I mean, I'd love to one, see it. If that eventually happened did, one day. Well, they did once They did once go to a swingers party with Jonathan Ross. And, there we go. And his wife. Yeah. That's not true, by the way. Just <laughs> he's September 11th. He's a Virgo. Oh, Virgo. A Virgo baby. Right. Okay. Well, that, so, that should work. Okay, so what do you think, according to their astrological charts, were the likelihood of this match ever working between Gemini and Virgo? I have a lot of Virgos in my life. And actually, Virgos are scales, aren't they? Yes. Oh, we've and got Gem- we have an expert. Gem- yeah, and Geminis, I look like I'm just wearing my, my giant bicycles. <laughs> and Gemini are the two twins. And so for me, it should be absolutely harmony. What's the percentage you're going to give it then? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm going tits in here. I'm going ninety two. Ooh, ninety. Strong. Ninety two. Ninety two. Okay. Nine, big swing. Um, I think? trust. I think Glenn knows what he's talking about, and I usually like to differ from the guests just to mix things up. But I'm. I'm only. I'm. I'm trying to win some points here, so I'm gonna go like. I'm gonna go like eighty five percent. I'm just gonna be a bit more conservative. Eighty five percent. Well, I can tell you, according to their astrological charts, the relationship of Gemini and Virgo can change as the wind while both partners get lost and found on a daily basis. Their mutual love for Mercury is what binds them and what tears them apart because they both tend to overthink things instead of following their hearts. Both of them are mostly in their minds, each one in their own way, and need to respect each other, other to the point where no one's intelligence is judged on a superficial level. Okay, you kind of—I'll be honest with you—you you lost me. <laughs> and, when, and, and when you say their love of Mercury, you mean their love of heroin? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just asking for a friend. <laughs> um, so, so I'm guessing then. That I'm guessing not, they're lower. Not very compatible. Yeah, I think I think Glenn led me down led me down a garden path here. I've been led astray as per. I, uh, yeah, well, I'm, and I'm as per I'm leading people astray. I built, <laughs> Classic built a career Gemini. on it. Built a career on it. <laughs> I can tell you, they only ever had a forty percent chance of oh. working out. God, and that was but, without the heroin. Jesus, yeah. it was never meant to be. <laughs> so let's have a look at their emotional emotional CVs before mm-hmm. they met each other. So George was raised in a big working class Irish household, very close to his mummy. But his dad was quite difficult. He had a very sort of volatile relationship with his dad. And he was sort of like quite difficult when they were going up. But then they sort of formed this sort of uneasy alliance as he grew up. Okay. He had a series of, in inverted commas, straight boyfriends when he was younger who wouldn't be with him in public. So that was sort of before he got together with John, it was very much like all his boyfriends just, they, they, it was always like a big secret. And they it, was, want... it was the 70s. It was the that 70s. Was, that was quite the thing, right? I mean, I say that like I was there, but obviously I'm way too young. <laughs> so, uh, I've heard. <laughs> so in his, his, uh, his memoir, which... It's oh, phenomenal. Oh, a bop. That's all I can say. It's one of the most insane memoirs I've ever read. But there's a lot in, there's a singer, Kirk Brandon, who was sort of a big, sort of a, a mover and shaker on the music scene at the time that he had this really intense relationship with. And Kirk just basically would never acknowledge that they were a couple in public, 20 of his friends. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Across town, John is growing up. So he lives in Hampstead. He comes from quite like a, a middle class background. Mm-hmm. His dad is a very successful businessman. George first sees John for the very first time. Where does he first see him for the very first time? In a My Guy magazine. Oh. He's in. Okay. So he was in The Drummer of the Damned. George saw a picture of him and he was like, oh, I really fancy him. He's really cute. John okay. had been in several bands before before Culture Club. What age are we talking that they, when he sees him as a magazine? Like, how old is each other? So it's like late teens. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And John was the kind of go-to drummer in all the cool bands you oh, see God. in London. Oh, John, God. John was one of those cool people who, like, by 17 oh, was already, like, yeah. sought-after drummer. Oh, my God. Yeah. Trouble, what, trouble, t- trouble. Tight white T-shirt, like, skin-tight jeans. Oh, he was hot. Know, yeah, John Moss was hot. He had like a hot kind of rockabilly vibe. Yeah, that quiffy. I remember that quiff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So George already is like, "Mm mm-hmm, I like this guy. He's a little cutie. Then George, so George had been sort of on the edge of the music scene, going out with people like Kirk. But then he decides, right, I'm going to just do stuff for myself. I'm going to start my own band. So he tracks down John Rings his parents' house and asks John to be in his band. Not weird at all. No, nothing totally weird about that. That's fine. Hello, so, I've seen your I've seen your son in my girl. Would you like to break? <laughs> would you like to join my cross-dressing band where we sing about chameleons? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. So this was another age. I remember when. Before mobile phones, if you wanted to bring any boy that you liked, you had to get through the gauntlet of speaking to their parents. Yeah, it was a vibe. You had to be good with the parents. So it's good boy George experienced that too. True. Uh, so John uh, became sort of the... So he joined the band and John was sort of the bossy grown-up in the band. Okay, so he's he'd like been around the groups. He knew how to be around. in music. He'd been around. Uh, so he took George for dinner and George said that he was really flirtatious and really like vibey with him and then it was only at the end of the dinner John goes oh yeah I have a girlfriend oh god this is oh god I know this is about being gay and having to hide and being gay but this is also verbatim <laughs> it's just boys and bands in general <laughs> this is what they will do to anyone they fancy or anyone they know fancies them oh this is horrible I already just want I just wanted to tell George don't no 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 just get away get away get away get away it's just See, but George, George George wanted it more, I think, because of that. Oh, yeah. of course. That's, that's what that, people like John Moss, they know. Oh, that's horrible. Fuck you, John Moss. Fuck you, you goddamn so, hot man. This is how, and this, I really, I, I, this is every single person I fancied before I was 30. George said about John, he was critical of everything and everyone. We had loads in common. <laughs> he was an asshole and so was I. <laughs> oh, my God. So... They're at the early stages. He really likes somebody. He's got a, he's got a girlfriend. Oh, so John goes on holiday and sends George a postcard. Oh my god, the dick but, pic of the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: by this stage, George knew John's girlfriend, and he calls round to her, and she and he goes, "Oh, I got a postcard from John on his holiday." And the girlfriend goes, "I didn't. I knew she was gonna say." Oh god, this is so also something George knew that I oh, know I'll become friends with the girlfriend and then I'll get him that way, I'll get her out of the way. Or oh. was he just being very antagonistic because George is known? Of course to be, he was. That was not innocent that. George. George knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Um so then they're still hanging around. John tells George that he thinks George is really pretty. 
He invites him round to his flat when his girlfriend is out. And he keeps complaining that him and his girlfriend aren't getting on. It's an absolute nightmare. Because she has a pussy instead of a dick. Go on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then John drops George home from a night out, kisses George on the cheek and says, oh, oh no, I won't be able to sleep tonight. Oh, you fucker, George. John, this is a... I know. I, I, it's, it's working on me. I feel like, I feel like I, I think I'm in love with him. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> So then his girlfriend, John's girlfriend, accuses John of fancying George and slaps him on the face. Love it. He goes right to George's house to tell him what happened and then tells George, it's true. I do fancy you. And they kiss for the first time. Oh God, I've got goosebumps. Also, that girlfriend is somewhere telling that story at every dinner party till the day she dies. All right. (laughs) I think that you would... Out of all of that, you would assume that George loved the drama, but I actually, it's John. John was loving. I, I agree. I think John had a really bad case of short man in a band yep. syndrome. You know, there was a reason he was thrashing on those drums so violently and, and di- wanting everyone to love him. 100%. Yeah. And also, you kind of feel like if, I feel like if George had loved the drama so much, he wouldn't have been as heartbroken by it in a sense. His songs Absolutely. wouldn't be. He might have written songs about it, but they wouldn't have been as forlorn, as like traumatizing, as horrible as they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. They wouldn't have been yeah. so, so sad if he'd been sort of half enjoying the drama. Completely. They'd have been more bitchy in tone, and they weren't bitchy at all. They were just despondent. Yeah. yeah. So, happy days. John and George are a couple. George says, he kissed me. And this is, breaks my heart. This is because it's such a change from his previous relationships. Uh-huh. He kissed me voluntarily, occasionally held my hand in public and treated me like I had a heart. Oh, God. And then he's going to stomp all over it. <laughs> and then something terrible is about to happen oh, no. to John and George's relationship. Something that will change the dynamic completely. Their band becomes successful. Oh, shit. So what year are we in now? I think 85. Okay. So, so it's been about two or three years or so of them, like, together, if not longer. And, and apparently pre-success, they would, John would kind of occasionally call George's boyfriend. I was going to say, he was relatively, like, they were having a They were having a relationship. Wow. And let me guess, the minute they get famous, John's like, George, who? No, I'm straight. I don't know what you're talking about. Is that the vibe? Yeah, basically. <laughs> you oh, got it. Oh, my God. So then Culture Club becomes successful and then John starts insisting that he's straight. <sighs> and not only does he insist, you know, in interviews that he's straight, he decides to prove it by starting to keep, to cheat quite a lot on George with women. Can I ask a, interject a question here? Is there any arena in which we have some... Was this coming up? Do we have any empathy with John Moss being so uncomfortable with his own homosexuality? Was it something like he couldn't come out with his family? Is there any area where we were kind of like, oh, the poor guy couldn't come well, out himself? How sad he's stuck in his own prison of his own making type thing, his family, I, blah, blah, blah. I mean, jo- in, so just to play devil's avocado, <laughs> um, John has said in many interviews that the record label, when they got signed and began to get successful, really pushed him towards the narrative and that they could only have one, in, in quote-unquote, puff in the band. Uh-huh. So apparently that was... I don't know if that's the story he told for his own convenience, but... 
I still think he's a giant wanker. You still can't find any sympathy for him. Okay, I'm with you. He's a giant wanker (laughs) in a small, angry man's body. Because also, you're right, because even if there was an element of him not being able to come out, you think he could say to George privately, listen, I know this is really bad, but because of X, Y, and Z, my family, the label, whatever, we can't do this anymore, but just know that it's not about... You know what I mean? He could let him down, but he didn't, did he? No. (laughs) Because... George has had all this trauma of being treated so badly by... And these tiny crumbs of things he's getting from John are for him like this grand love, you know, just him holding his hand once in Soho. He's like, oh my God, we're practically married. Like, oh my God, it's so sad. So George tries to keep his sexuality vague in interviews. (laughs) Okay, that didn't didn't really work. And he said at the time he was too embarrassed to admit that basically all the songs he wrote were about John. Of course. All of them. And he said that he didn't even want to admit it to John, even though it must have been so obvious to everybody. Yeah. Well, you say obvious. This is wild. I remember George and and Culture Club got so famous. And Mm -hmm. bearing in mind that we'd we'd never seen anyone like George before in the public eye. And I think when there isn't anyone to compare it to, the narrative is up to the label or to the TV show to kind of prescribe. And so he almost became this kind of friendly cartoon character. Is he, isn't he? He plays yeah. along with all of those, I guess, quite offensive things that were put on him. I remember he was once on a TV show. I think it was Live and Kicking or Going Live or one of those breakfast shows in the morning. And they were trying to get out of him, you know. So, do you know, do you date? Do you go out? And, do, and George said, I don't. Uh, I'm not that fast about sex. I'd much rather have a cup of tea. Oh, classic. And I think that there was this sort of, he realised that Culture Club had become this huge band that mums and girls were liking mm. and started playing up to that. It's much like Drag Race now, you know. Yeah. You go to, you go and watch, I went to a big Drag Race gig the other night and it was just full of mums and their daughters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you ride that wave, you buy the big house in Hampstead. You sing those songs and it all became this sort of secret, coded, you know. Yeah. It was like Polari by song almost. It's like yeah. really, really, it's so tragic and sad. And I feel like George was having to be this public showman, clown, clown actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the tears of the clown were that right behind him were this, was this man that was well, unbelievably so sad. Let's, so this is the, uh, this song, I remember I was going through a really horrible breakup. This song came on and I just was like, oh, oh my God, oh my God, I have no idea. Yeah. And you're like, this is actually a really sad song. So um, this is, uh, George said, our relationship was built on power, uh, sorry, our relationship was built on power tripping and masochism. So here are the lyrics to the saddest love song ever, Karma Chameleon. Karma Chameleon, you come and go, you come and go. Loving would be easy if your colours were like my dreams. Every day is like survival. You're my lover, not my rival. Yeah. Great lyrics. I know. Great lyrics. (laughs) Great Great lyrics. lyrics. I mean, another really, there's a song called Time, which is, I think, on the first album, which is beautiful. And I think that to, obviously, you can be a great lyricist, but the the whole song, there's just sadness from all those songs. Those songs are for... I think that's the success of them, is that they're these heartbreak songs that, sure, it might have been a really complex heartbreak story where one was a closeted homosexual and the other's a sort of cross-dressing frontman. 
but anyone can relate to that feeling of of loving someone so much and then not loving you back. Yeah. Yeah. In the way yeah. and the way that you well, actually it's not worthy of you because I don't think George knew his worth. And that was the really sad thing as well. Because you wouldn't put up with old John Moss, would you otherwise? Yeah, and he would sad. do it now, but yeah, it was devastating. So mm. the band now is one of the biggest bands of the world. Boy George has gone from being just a club kid living in a squash to one of the most recognisable people in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure on the band. And the impact that has had on him and uh, John's relationship is either they avoid spending time together or when they do spend time together, they just wind each other up and end up getting into these huge physical fights. So they would just like argue row all the time. And he said that one stage he was living in a house in Hampstead and John was living like less than like 20 minutes away, but he was never allowed to call around to John's house. Like he couldn't just pop around. He had to like ring him, ask if he could come around. And John didn't want the other members of the band to know they were a couple. Oh, God, I'm sure that worked. So then <laughs> George said that he used to cause just like, I think just like the tension, the frustration would just build up. So he would cause these huge, these like, he sort of cause drama basically. He'd throw strops just in order that they would get into big fights and then make up afterwards. So it became like tension, tension, tension. George would throw a tantrum, they'd have a big row, and then they would have like the hottest sex ever. Oh, and then God, it so would start bleak. again. Oh god, how would you I get mean, in a huge fight just as the only way you can have sex with someone that you're in love with? That's so horrible. It's so toxic, isn't it? It really is. It, I mean, you only do that if you are full of self-hatred for yourself. I was just gonna say the self-loathing of poor boy George, like didn't they have any friends to be like, what the fuck are you doing? Go find you're like you could have anyone. I mean so, do you know what book, I mean? Like, who's that singer he was best friends with in the Marilyn? Marilyn. Oh, yeah, Marilyn. oh my god, Marilyn! If you think Boy George had bad taste in men, yeah, he had, he's even worse taste in friends. My god, yeah. So George, uh, they had these such huge big fights. John broke his finger in a fight with George twice. One Not time they drummer. then they had to postpone the tour because his thing, his hand was broken. Then George threw a bottle of coke at his head and knocked him out. Let's not forget this is the, the era of glass bottles of coke. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't a plastic <laughs> bottle. So <laughs> well remembered, exactly. You really meant yeah. it. <laughs> and this I think it's it's so sad. This this I mean there's so many things about this sad, but this is an interview from Rolling Stone from this time where George said most of my male relationships have been casual things. Men are difficult to have relationships with. You still fall in love, but you don't really hear about two men living a happy life for 40 years, do you? Oh, God, isn't that sad? And it's such a reflection of the time. I was just going to um, say, what a sign of the times. And God. it's unbelievably complex, actually, because, you know, this is deep. I'm going deep here. It's but going deep, guys. Growing up in the 80s and 90s as a queer gay, a, a queer guy or a gay guy, you actually didn't see any healthy Role examples models. of love yeah. and, um, and healthy love. And so you didn't think that it was an option for you. And then, obviously, fast forward to, you know, mid-90s when HIV and AIDS was just so rampant. And so not only did you believe that, A, you wouldn't be able to have... A, a romantic relationship love but you also 
thought to yourself, well, if I have sex, I'm going to die. Yeah. I mean, what a heavy weight to carry with you. And no wonder it, it kind of is given lots of, it gave lots of generations of people that didn't feel as though that was even an option for them. So they were willing to accept the John Mosses of the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad and it's... It's crazy it's, to think of how many of the big stars of that time were like Elton John, George Michael, Boy George, and like none of them were openly out and proud to be... Do you know what I mean? As a, it's just, Freddie Mercury, it's, let's Freddie not Mercury, forget. Yeah, it's bonkers. Freddie, Freddie lived with his best friend, Mary, but was married to Mary. And that was... I mean, it's wild, isn't it, when you look back and you see yeah. these people go, of course we know they're gay, of course. But there, there was no one to compare them to. What yeah. was gay? Gay was such an underground, nuanced thing that people didn't really know what that was. There was no gays in Carnation Street then, were yep. there? Yeah. So, you know, it's um, it's sad and it's a, it's a real reflection of where LGBTQ plus people were at culturally as well. Mm, and what, yeah. And socially and what, what they accepted for themselves yeah i was gonna say what they would put up with as love was shit like this from assholes yeah. like john moss yeah. yeah well good news things are about to get yes. worse oh. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say the heroine's coming isn't it <laughs> yeah because after their third album flopped george moved to new york and started partying Bring in Marilyn. Here we Marilyn go. Marilyn must be right oh. by George's side. There is some, during your research, Grania, did you come across, I do have this vivid memory of him being interviewed at oh, a music pop. festival somewhere where he's covered in like... His, Live like, Aid. It was yeah, Live, Live Aid. Aid. And he's completely out of his mind. Fuck, that's yeah. really like... And then there's an, a really sad interview where he's absolutely blotto uh, on Parkinson, I think. Back in the day, and he's got these little round uh, glasses on and he's, he doesn't even know where he is. Wow. So this, this period is chaotic. It's really chaotic. Yeah. They come back, he comes back from this sort of lost year in New York. Culture Club back on tour. Him and John are sharing a room while they're in, on tour. Great that nobody's idea. allowed to mention it. Great idea. In Japan, they have a fight. So John gets another room. George gets jealous, breaks into John's room looks for clues to see if he's seeing anybody else. Then they get into a huge fight and a doctor is called. George starts calling him and John the bearded lady and the dwarf. Okay, that's good though. Well done, George. Yeah. He was sharp. (laughs) And then George, then to annoy John, starts a We Hate John committee. (laughs) That's so child. This is bad shit. Basic. We hate John committee. (laughs) I'm into it. (laughs) Then he drives, they come back from the tour, which is a lot of drama. Then George drives to John's house. He drives his car into John's garage after calling him a no dick dwarf. On, I mean, there's no I, I comeback like, to that. I like these years. These are good years. <laughs> and I, mean, I agree. And I feel like John didn't have the quick wit to come back to anything of these, you know? He just kind of stuck. Just the chubby fingers. Yeah. <laughs> well, John's comeback was trying to attack George with a claw hammer. Oh, yeah, it's Jesus okay. Christ. That's a bit of a step up. That escalated. So around this time, John has started dating... Uh, pop singer Sheila Lapel. Okay. George... She did well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't 
I've never heard of her. I thought maybe it was an English thing or something. I loved all her hits. (laughs) (laughs) Tumbleweed. George reacts to this news by going around to her house and throwing a rock through her window. Oh, George, don't blame the other person. Come on. So... If you haven't guessed, uh, George is doing a lot of drugs during this period. Yeah. So this is, this is we're getting to around 1986. So the band have split up. They cannot handle his drug use. So George's dad comes round to try and sort George out. And he does this in the most Irish dad way that I have ever read. George's dad comes round to his house and says... Right, fine. If you're going to kill yourself doing drugs, you might as well kill us all. And then he sets George's house on fire. Whoa. Is that a classic <laughs> Irish dad thing? The drama. Oh. Just the drama. All my, all my Irish mates do that. <laughs> We've lost so many good roofs. Oh. When I read that, wow. I thought, I just love the... That's, that's like, come on, that is... The Banshees of Vinish Era, that's like the it next... Is. That is a Martin McDonough play. Very true, very true. I just love the drama. It's like, yeah, fine, you're going to kill yourself. Well, take me with you. Let's all die together. Set your house on fire. (laughs) That'll teach you. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the police are called. George panics, calls John. He comes around and they hug. Oh, God. Uh, Don't fall for it, George. (laughs) (laughs) So... There's a real difficult where George finally gets clean. And it's really like two of his friends die. He nearly dies, but he gets clean. And miraculously, John has started being nice to him. He started being really nice. And how does George react to this? He doesn't Burns like his it. house down. <laughs> <laughs> Father like son. <laughs> He says, I found it such a turn off. Yeah, so he doesn't like it. Just like, he really hated it. Then- it's creepy. Yeah, he would have thought it was creepy. <laughs> yeah. That's fucked up, isn't it? Wow. Canal <laughs> says so much. Oh, he likes me. Oh, God, he must be weird. What's happened I don't want, to you? I don't want kisses. Big yeah. eye, like you used to. <laughs> <laughs> he said he found it really annoying. He was acting like a polite divorcee. He found oh, it really creepy God. and off-putting. Wow. Then John complains about the smell of incense because George has got really into Buddhism at this stage. Right. Or no, he Hinduism. Beca- He's got no, very... He became, in- he became a Hare Krishna. A no. Hare Krishna. <laughs> yeah, Hello. philosophy is confused. <laughs> <laughs> like, the water's the same to grant you. If it's not Catholicism or Partism, who knows? Yeah, it's what well. happens when your house burns down and you're left hugging John Morse. <laughs> All of a sudden, the Harry Krishna come out and take you to that bells. restaurant. Yeah, in Soho. They were a big deal back then. There's a lot more of them. Now it's just like one guy and a drum. Back then, yeah, it was a massive crew, I remember. Yeah. They've not been the same without George. It's true. That was, they, they peaked. So John complains about the smell of incense. And for some reason, that causes George to snap. And he finally tells him to fuck off. Good. Okay. Happy to hear it. That's it. Now, so I usually do this earlier. I've just remembered I haven't done this. Uh, Glyn, if you want, um, imagine we've got a phone call. Bring, 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 bring. Hello, Glyn. This is Boy George. Oh. And John Moss. Oh. (laughs) It's early 80s. We're heading for a night out. Fancy joining us? What do you imagine? (laughs) A night out on the town with John and George at the height of their pomp. Well, I would say... Thanks for the invite. I'm still wearing a nappy. And <laughs> I don't really trust your antics. No, I, well, I'm, 
Of course I'd go. Are you mad? Of course you'd go. I would, I would waddle up the road. I have chased George at several um, <laughs> swish, swish functions in London, drunk. Oh, so you just, can really tell us what this would have been like. I've ran after him once, screaming, I love you so much, George. <laughs> and he's like, that's creepy. I don't want love. And I only no, want hate. And he just looked behind and he went, oh, fuck off. Um, <laughs> that was a I'm good going impression. Round, I'm going round, going round for a hug with John Moss. No, so I would, I would love, I think I, I say I would love to go out with them. The truth is, you should never meet people that you are that obsessed with. I mean, if it's not clear to you, I really do know everything about yeah, Boy George. True. What do you imagine it was like with the two of them out yeah. there? Do you think they hung oh. around together? If they were out, do I you don't think, think that... it was fun. I don't think it was yeah, fun. I, I mean, I mean, I'm just going to say it. They weren't doing the fun drugs either. You yeah. know, they, were doing, they were doing the I hate myself drugs and they were full of self-loathing and I also think it was that time where pop stars had so much money and all the freedom and no responsibility so I think it was just a really dark tornado of recklessness that wouldn't would have never ended well would I have hung out with him in the Harry Krishna years yes I love to play a bell imagine I, I can I, I agree with you is I really if I think about them like out on a night out like in Soho quote-unquote together I just imagine them in like a VIP section not talking to each other or just kind of saying like jibes at one another guy you like this yeah. fucking song don't you John even though it's a pile of shit and then John's saying what the fuck would you know about me and them just kind of having these bitchy fight things back and forth and then they'll kind of talk to you as their guest separately if he's an also isn't it and kind of, you know what I mean it wouldn't actually that would be the it entire night and one goes to the bathroom and does some drugs and one goes, the other one goes to the bathroom and they just kind of fight <laughs> then they both go away and you realise they're probably like making out but when they come back still fighting it's just this kind of horrible it's horrid let's not forget uh Peak of their relationship. What was it? Nineteen eighty-two. Nineteen eighty-two. You should never go out, and it will never live up to the idea that you think it would have. Yeah, in been. any case, yeah. Because when I was younger, you know, George was my like, oh my god, my everything, and I want him to remain that way. Yeah. You know. Were it, you with, sort of aware of this as a fan of his? Were you like, at what age did you become aware of this relationship? Like, when you were, did you know about them at all? Did older, you have any guesses? No, or? older. I think I had no idea growing up. They definitely kept it bluffed from me. But it was really, I think it was, I've just always been drawn to the exoticness of George, you know? Uh-huh. But it's only really when he's told his story later. Because a lot of it was just speculation. We never really got the real story until... George wrote the two books. There was two books, and and they really do not pull any punches. They keep they. What well, is it's very interesting. I think when someone writes an autobiography and has no interest in in uh, you know most people want to paint the best picture of themselves. George yeah. doesn't give a shit. He's painting the full gory, glorious story, and if that makes him look terrible, he doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So it's it's such an interesting book to read, but. I love that time. I would love to have been around in the kind of blitz and taboo and sure. the times the times when George was, you know, because George used to be the cloakroom boy at these uh, taboo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would have loved to have been around that time pre-culture club, yeah. pre-John Moss. When he was just the cool kid at the blitz when, club and just was like sort of king stealing of the money. Yeah. Stealing all the money from the coat check. That's what he used to do. Yeah. Because I, I used to do that too, actually. I will not name the club, but... Yeah, I think that the years... I don't think he was ready for the level of success. I don't think 
when you're a first, you, which he was, he was a true original. I think he, God, he got it hard. He got it so hard. If you look back at old uh, news clippings, anything like that, who says news clippings? I just did. Um, <laughs> and you go to the library, who <laughs> says, boy, George? You know, he's been given a really rough ride over the years, made an example of, I just want the best for George. And I, I think he seems like he's very zen and happy now. And God, if one person deserves it, it George does, right? Yeah. Well, he's well, hanging, as far as I know, he's, he's hanging out with Dory and PK from Real Housewives. Oh, of, girl, don't even get me which started. Which I'm obsessed with. Uh, <laughs> can I just tell you, if I didn't choose those two, by the way, I was going to uh, choose Kyle and Maurizio from Real Housewives of Beverly oh. Hills, which is my other great love. They're not definitely broken up yet. No, but... I mean, give it time, yeah. It's yeah. on its way. It's on its way. Anyway, that's for a set. We can do our own Housewives yeah, yeah, podcast. Yeah. We'll do a Housewives <laughs> podcast anyway. We digress. So George and John, definitely. This It was the incense that broke the camel's back. They yeah. are split. They are donezo. I'd be interesting. Uh, then why do you think they couldn't make it work? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, it's more why do you think they stay together? I was just going to say, why did they ever last that long? I tell you, why did they split? Because they started liking themselves is actually the real reason. That's interesting. Yeah, I think the reasons they stayed together because they hated themselves at the time and they wanted to abuse themselves and abuse each other. And I think when George started to get some self-love and Mm. to get some some independence and realize that you don't need you know the angry drummer to love you you can love yourself starts to be all RuPaul about this but when you get that you realize that literally incense can break the camel's back and that was that yeah and I think yeah I think that that's that's what broke them up that's really interesting did did John ever did John Moss ever sort of accept his well, so, uh, in an interview, John said that he tried to date other men after George, but it didn't feel right. He went on to have two children with a long-term female partner and said yes. he was never gay, he was just in love with George. At least he acknowledged his, it. That, I mean, at least he acknowledged it. That's the story and he's sticking to it, but at least well, he, I, I agree. Mean, but he's since gone on to sue Culture well, Club. So. Yeah. Has he? <laughs> yeah. So oh, then, my God, I didn't know that. So yeah. George said of their relationship, it's not like I ever really got what I needed from John. I loved him more than anything in the world, but in hindsight, it was a very dysfunctional relationship. So they both... Really? They both acknowledge the things that we all wish they'd acknowledge in 1982. Yeah. <laughs> it would have saved us all a lot of trouble. But then we wouldn't have had all the great songs. So but there you go. George said of, of this relationship, there's never been a feeling of closure. I think ours is the great unresolved romance of the century. Still now. But, so, you know, listen, as a band, they wouldn't exist without that central love, love pain story. That info- and I will just true. say this. The band nosedived creatively when it stopped, when they stopped that dynamic. Yeah, that's really interesting. So there was a court case in 2020 over unpaid money. And then there also was a BBC drama about their relationship, which can I say? I, I saw is that. The, yeah. It, I watched that drama. Same. And then I thought, oh, maybe I should read the book to make sure there's stuff that they didn't cover. And they covered nothing in the dra- in that BBC <laughs> yeah, drama. No. Yeah, true. It was, yes, quite... It quite was pretty shallow, yeah. Yes. It was shallow. But it was um, fun. It was fun. I enjoyed it. 
So George publicly apologised to Moss in August 2020 saying, we're having this court case so I thought I would call him as I thought I was really moved by the script of the BBC drama and I was really moved by the story of how we met and I suddenly thought, you know what, I forgot about all that. I forgot about all the really amazing stuff when I met him and you know how much I was in love with him and how Mm. it was so beautiful and exciting. And all this stuff happened. It got lost in all this kind of bitterness and all this feuding. So it was interesting for me to sit with John and go, actually, mate, I might have to apologise to you for some things. Oh, that's a very, that's a very, that's the one that's done a lot of therapy in Beverly Hills. (laughs) They've done a lot of work because, you know. That's very evolved. It's very evolved. I don't know if I'd do that. No, I'd still be chucking rocks. No, I think at his age as well, I can, I can see that. It's been 20, it's 30 years and you're like... It's closure. You know yeah, exactly. It's 20, 30 years, I'll be the bigger person. It, it, it's, it's That whole, I know it's very therapeutic. It's, it's more energy to keep hating someone than it is to go, you know what, let me take responsibility for my part of this. We're done. Did, what, was the apology accepted? Was John receptive at all? I think I... I'm right aware. You probably know this better than I do, but it feels like the still legal thing's happening. Still? No, the legal thing is done. It's done. Oh, oh, what was the outcome? John got just, I think, just over two million. And it was for what? He just felt he was Loss of earnings. Loss of earnings because they went on a big world tour and reformed and John, I believe, wasn't invited back. I see. Okay. Something oh. like that. It was something, yeah. but it was more actually, the loss of earnings were nothing close to that money, but then it was that... Culture Club and Boy George in particular and PK. And P- manager PK, PK from Real PK, Housewives. PK. They, they, I think they contested everything. So it went to trial and then you have all the big fees. So I they see. have to pay all of John's fees and end up getting to the two million mark or something like that. Not that I know anything on Not it. Not that you know anything about it. <laughs> and George wore yellow. And, uh, no, Was that one of the court know. cases where you're chasing him down the street? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> George, I love you still. <laughs> I told you to fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So now we get to really what this whole podcast is based around in every split. Even though we might love them both, there's a winner, there's a loser. The thing is, we there's don't w- love them both here. <laughs> so I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> In the great George John Splish, who thrived and who simply survived? Well, I, I, George obviously thrived. Obviously. But also had to survive. And the other one, I think we should never mention his name again. <laughs> has George, can I ask has George found like great love elsewhere I don't know much I more about his personal so. life I feel like he's just been eternally single does it feel was, like oh, he was going out with an Irish actor or model for a few years but then they broke up that was it yeah he keeps all of that very shtum as you would yeah after, yes. after something like this has he stopped wearing that black makeup on his neck at least that was I, a real I, rough time that was a rough time yeah, no, he doesn't do that anymore. Oh, good. I think he, because we all know why, but I was like, just, you know who he is still together with? Marilyn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> He's still friends with Marilyn. Oh, yes. golly. Well, what does Marilyn have if he doesn't have being the friend of Boy George? <laughs> then he once had an affair with Gavin Rosdale. That's it. <laughs> Those are the yeah. two things he has. <laughs> yeah, and he was friends with Diana Ross. Oh, three. He has to wheel See? that one out. Marilyn's yeah. picking but up. I don't 
I don't think they were friends. Yeah, I, think I don't he, think so. I think he ran after her when she was leaving the Ivy one night and just took a picture and was like, friend of. Yeah, very Sunita and Brad Pitt. Whereas Boy George is actually going to PK in Dory's house and appearing on the show several times. So that's a real friendship. Which, which I applaud. Which, same Z's. Which same-sies. we love. We love that. <laughs> so we do uh, have one more question before we, we release you into the night. We do. Thank you, Glenn. There's a certain lady out there that we're being... Um, we are desperate to find someone up to her level to match her, to be with her. She's currently in a relationship of sorts, but we don't think it's the one. So I want you to do me a favor and put your thinking cap on and think of someone you can find, you could level up to, to be with the one, the only Cher. Oh, I love Cher so much. The least surprising thing you've said today, aside from (laughs) I love boy George. So I'm going to take this very seriously. Good. That's that's Um, what we want. Well, the first person I thought, it needs to be someone that's a force of nature. Yep. Okay. I like where you're going. It needs to be someone that doesn't think in a conventional sense. Okay. I like this. It needs to be someone that's going to be excited by all of her. It's RuPaul. She would be with RuPaul. <gasps> How have we not had that answer before? That's such a, I, that's a brilliant, I cannot believe we haven't had yeah. that before. I love it. Because he, he Cher understands does she share? Yeah. RuPaul plays a character. They would. It would work. Oh, it would be yeah. wonderful. That is a brilliant, yeah. brilliant. They answer. would be invited to every dinner party Can forever you and a day. Imagine oh. the stories. You're right. He's smart enough. He's quick enough. He's sharp yeah. enough. He gets yeah. the joke of it all. She gets the yeah. joke. Yeah. I can't could, believe you're the first person to suggest that. They could that live on like her, a dream answer. They could live on RuPaul's ranch. That's right. Yeah. Can you imagine their OnlyFans? Whoa. Oh my God. <laughs> Great answer. I love yeah. it. You and are they're welcome. Both, and they're both, they're both the names, RuPaul Share. Imagine the Vegas yeah. show. Yeah. The Jesus Vegas Christ. show. Oh. Fucking hell. Buy my tickets right now. My life savings sorted. No problem. Yeah, exactly. Oh, great choice, Glenn. Thank you so much. Great choice Thank and great couple choice. Me. What a journey this has been. This was genuinely, I, this was the messiest couple I have That's, ever We've had Charles and Diana. That is really saying something. You asked me to come up with a split, and this is the biggest, split, messiest, that... grossest split of all time. Loved it. <laughs> Thank you for being such a fabulous guest. Where can our listeners you find me. you? Oh, gosh. Well, I have my own podcast, We Can Be Heroes, Plug, 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 which is available on all streaming platforms. I'm always intrigued by people that have achieved whatever success that's like to them, but done it on their terms. So Mm -hmm. the underdogs, the weirdos, the misfits, because I think that we're so focused on the final picture, but I'm always interested in what came before that, how they got there. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, and we have amazing guests, not all celebrities, but all celebrities in their own right. Mm -hmm. And you'll see me flinging myself around, Mighty Hoopla Festival, which oh. I'm co-founder of. Love Mighty Hoopla. Absolutely love it. Big fan. If you can go, by me, all means, go. Get there as soon as possible. Love well, it. Well, good luck with that because it's sold, sold out. out. Oh. I know. <laughs> and... That's why I'm trying to butter you up, you see, Glenn, to knock me some oh. of them, some of them press dances. <laughs> other than that, uh, you will usually find me in the gutter when I fall off the sober train. I knew you oh, looked familiar. Lovely. <laughs> so chuck them a few bob if you see them in the street. Indeed. The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush. So 
email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The, the way, way they, they were. were.